RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. everyone, listeners. Um, if you, the first time you're joining us, this is Roswell Presbyterian Church, and we kind of do an interview called Closing the Distance, speaking to the pastor who preached a sermon the, the previous day, and just kind of getting underneath the surface a little bit, and, and getting to know a little bit more. So I'm Dan Christ, I'm one of the associate pastors here, and today I'm excited to be able to interview another of the associate pastors, Carrie Weatherford, who preached yesterday amazingly did fantastic job and 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 a i guess a text that is very familiar to us all but yet she took it uh, a different angle and made us think about things very differently i was pretty excited about that so that's that's kind of the purpose of our gatherings the purpose of of these discussions for people to listen to and us to kind of get a little bit deeper inside you know when you hear a sermon there's not a lot of dialogue, right? It's just one person talking at you and you kind of have to discern and digest that on your own. But this is an opportunity, like I heard that sermon carry three times yesterday. So I've got some questions and I just can't wait to ask you. But if you want to just introduce, like we're doing this series, the summer series is the summer of love. And so what was your, your text yesterday and what was your sermon title yesterday? And just kind of introduce, you know, give us the basics of what we were doing yesterday specifically for those who weren't there or didn't hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So yesterday we looked at the famous John 316, but we looked at it um, kind of in its larger context. We looked at verses nine through 17, which included um, that that scripture itself comes from a conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus, who's one of the he was a great religious uh, teacher of that time. And so that verse is, is part of that conversation. So we really looked at part of this conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. Um, and of course, we know that John 3.16 is about how God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all who believe should not perish, but have eternal life. And so we looked at that big love. I think the sermon title was God's big love, which yeah. is pretty ambiguous because right god's big love uh but we did take a look at um god's love for us and what that means for us um and also how we respond to god's love yeah I, and I, that is a verse that like as you mentioned in your sermon yesterday that is very familiar i mean those 
who've kind of been raised in the church or part of the church have heard this all the time. And you watch a football game, you often see just written John 3, 16, and mm-hmm. people assume that you know what that is. And people, even outside of, of a faith setting, have some kind of idea of that verse in particular. It's one that has been kind of pulled out of scripture and in many ways out of context, mm-hmm. although it's because it, it does stand alone. It's a statement. Um, you know, it's kind of got a beginning and an end, there's a finality to it that explains much about what we understand about God. But I think what you did yesterday was help us kind of understand that it actually does come out of a conversation, some questions uh, from a religious leader. So why is that important, do you think, for a, a broader or better understanding of this verse? Well, not only this verse, I think just as a general statement. It's so important to look at scriptures, not just as standalone. I mean, they can be standalone statements like John three sixteen. for sure. That's a statement that Jesus made. He made that declaration, but you can't get the whole feeling of what was behind that declaration. Why, why was he even saying that? Where did this come from without looking at the whole context? And so I feel like as a general rule of thumb with any scripture, you know, even if you're using it in a standalone way, you need to know how it was intended. So looking at that broader picture so that we don't, um, you know, because I think sometimes you can misuse scripture too, if you don't look at the whole context or how it was intended. Yep. This particular text, I think um, it was really, I think it's really beneficial to look at the entire conversation. Well, We didn't look at the whole conversation as far as reading the whole conversation yesterday. We did look at the part right before that, but I referenced lots of uh, pieces of that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus just in the few verses before. Um, But it's, it's really important to understand what Jesus was, he was trying to explain to, to Nicodemus who he was as the son of man, as the son of God who has, has come. And Nicodemus, again, he was just having, he knew that Jesus was from God, but Jesus was causing a lot of disruptions in the, in the religious time or the religious places at that time. And so a lot of the religious leaders were kind of having a tough time with Jesus. I, I said in the sermon yesterday, you know, he was flipping tables in the temple just weeks before he, Jesus yeah. was not leading in the way that they were used to. And he was, um, so he had questions for Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus and Jesus is really trying to help Nicodemus understand who Jesus is and, um, and what he's come to do. And so in this moment too, it's really important. We realize that Jesus's death hasn't happened. Obviously Jesus says this, but he's foreshadowing his death here, what he's come to do, um, And it's also really um, powerful to note that he's saying in this conversation, I have come not to condemn the world, but to save it. So he notes that he's foreshadowing his death, which then in turn is going to mean life for everyone else. But in this, in this particular context, he is really trying to have a, a conversation with Nicodemus to explain to Nicodemus, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Um, because I, you know, as we know, Jesus, uh, Jesus was a good disruptor, <laughs> but he oh. was disruptive. And so I think, you know, I can imagine someone coming in like that as a religious leader, there would be a lot of questions. You know, this isn't how we've gone about it before. Right. Why are we doing this? Um, 
And it's also, I think when we look at this, um, this particular passage that we looked at yesterday in this context is that Jesus also, before he made his bold declaration, um, that he helped Nicodemus understand by using scripture from the Old Testament right? Um, to really help Nicodemus kind of get, get to where he was going. Right. Yeah, I think we forget that sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, that when we read these scriptures, like these are, this is new. So when he's talking <laughs> to Nicodemus, there is no New Testament for him to go. And refer to. <laughs> Jesus was the New Testament, right? It didn't right. exist yet. And so he's got to refer to things that, that they understood. And I think we also forget, and you pointed this out just now in the conversation and again yesterday, that Jesus was a disruptor. Mm-hmm. And, and I often wonder, and I, I wonder what your take is on this, like, if Jesus in the flesh showed up today at our church, what the response would be. I don't think we'd like him very much, honestly, but I wonder what you think. I have had that thought. Sometimes I think about myself kind of in Nicodemus's shoes, right? right. Um, gosh, if I was there then, if I was, I mean, if I was the, you know, my role, then would I have been one of those people would I have been you know a Pharisee judging Jesus would I have or would I have been like yes you are the Messiah and I'm but I'm not confident I'm not confident and so today you know I don't know I'd like to think that I I don't know I I'd like to think that I would like Jesus (laughs) yeah but, you know, here's the thing. Here's it, and I think that this is interesting because very much um, the Holy Spirit is with us, and there is a difference between liking someone too and knowing that they are right. And I think um, so. If Jesus was here now, got you know, came back, and I would hope that I would know that and accept that and follow that and um, have wisdom to see. But but truly, in my life, there are times where I really don't appreciate where Jesus is leading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or it, it doesn't mean that I don't know that I need to follow. Right. Um, and not because it's, it's bad, but I, I think I said this yesterday too. Sometimes following Jesus can be uncomfortable. It takes us out of our comfort zones, um, you know, and, there's, and that's not easy all the time. No. And that's what I think makes Nicodemus such a, an interesting character and a real character. Yes. Because, you know, the most of the other, the synoptics mostly have Jesus in kind of uh, competition with or difficult dialogue with the, the religious leaders. And yet here's Nicodemus. Yes, he comes at night because he's also a little bit wary, but he does want to understand. And he goes and he pursues, like, I've seen you do all these things and it is really disruptive, but why are you doing this? And mm-hmm. has a conversation. And again, that conversation is what sets up this, you know, kind of pivotal verse for all of the Christian faith, really. And it's only because Nicodemus wants to know more, wants to understand if you are from God, genuinely from God, I don't understand what you're doing or how you're doing it, but I want to know. And so I, I think that's really powerful. Well, I think mm-hmm. when we pull out that, like, again, we just pull out that John three sixteen verse and we, we, we sometimes weaken the power of, of who Jesus was and is and, and that whole conversation. For sure, because I think 
this conversation reveals so much about the nature of God that is, that is, you're right. It, I think it strengthens that statement, right? That he's accessible, first of all, right. to the Nicodemus. Nicodemus chose to go at night, but Jesus, Jesus was up for it. Right. Jesus definitely, you know, but he has a real conversation. He, he's like, you don't, you don't get this, you know, but okay, I'm still going to try to explain it. And I'm still going to be here and have this conversation with you. And, and I'm still going to, and he was going to share, you know, his love for the world, for humanity, but it's, it tells us so much that he is accessible, that he wants to have this relationship, this dialogue. Um, and he's not, I don't think Jesus was, at least in my reading, I don't think he was super put off by Nicodemus either. Like he's, you know, admonishes him a little bit, but he, he has this dialogue with him. And I think that that tells us too, you know, Jesus wants to have this dialogue, you know, he's okay. When we come with questions, he's big enough. He's big enough to feel that, um, his love is big enough for that. Uh, and I, I think that we just see so much about who God is in that back and forth conversation. Yeah. So you're a mother of two young boys. Um, and, you know, as, as someone also, you're kind of responsible for next gen and then, you know, the next generation ministries here at RPC and that kind of stuff. How would you like that to be communicated to your own kids and, and kids? Because again, I think it's important that we, they get the idea that God did so love the entire world, but what does that look like? And, and how do we nuance that in a way that they understand, but it also doesn't make it some kind of simplistic, you know, easy kind of, oh, that Jesus is some kind of flower child straight out of the sixties, you know, mm-hmm. how would you like to communicate that to them? Well, I think we're trying to communicate it in a lot of different ways. And that's a hard, the hard question to boil into one answer, and this is the teacher and me too, right. is developmentally the way that looks from the time you're two or even smaller, all the way till you're, uh, you know, 20 or what, that's going to look really different. And so I think it's super, and what we are trying to do here is we have, um, we have a plan actually. This might be surprising. You have a plan from the time you're two to the time you get out of high school. Here's where, how we're going to continue to, to introduce these topics and then, and then dive deeper and deeper and deeper into them. Um, based on how or where students are, where they are, how they can understand how, whether, you know, because when you are a concrete thinker, it's really hard to get into these big abstract concepts that, you know, they can start to get into once they uh, are getting into that middle school, high school age and go through um, when their brain's developing and they're able to understand abstract concepts. Um, So I always say that, um, really children's ministry is, and really youth ministry, it's a ministry of planting seeds. And then you're continuing and you're, you're starting young with, and sometimes it is simple. God made you, God loves you. Um, God is always there for you. Plant those seeds. And then you start to expound upon them and you share these stories of Jesus. And I think we do a really good job of that in Sunday school, really talking about um, the stories of Jesus and inviting children and youth and into discussion, asking questions. And I, I think that, and maybe that's 
kind of the broad answer is, um, is dialogue, right? right. It's, um, and, and seeing, you know, what their questions are, what they're getting out of it or, um, and then continuing to dive in from there. I know I'm not really answering that oh, question, know. but, and now as a mom too, though, it's, uh, this place of, I want them, I want my children to know the love of Jesus, that there is this God that loves them so much. And so a lot of times, and of course they're different ages and they're five years apart. So the conversations look really different. Um, but also knowing that, that then because of that, we've been given this gift. So how do we, how do we then respond? And, um, and, and I think that that's also, we talked about it in the sermon yesterday, it looks different depending on what age you are, but we have these conversations, you know, with my almost 10 year old of, okay, well, this happened at school as, as a, a follower of Jesus, like how, how are we supposed to handle this? How are we, what does it look like to be loving in this situation? Um, do they deserve to be forgiven? Well, listen, let's think about what we know about our own forgiveness. So anyhow. Wow. So that just raises a whole lot of questions in my mind. So, which you probably don't want me to ask, but I'm going to anyway. Probably not. You know, yeah, I should have you know, Again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything, but this is, again, one of my kind of fence or biases that, uh, you know, and one of the reasons that I'm um, kind of writing about this kind of stuff and, and questioning things. But there's, I'm really concerned about what I call the emerging generations, which you actually can as part of the emerging generations, which is those under 40, mm -hmm. basically, and, and their connection to the church. And yet there has been a significant shift and the pandemic has probably exacerbated that a little bit, but there's a whole lot who've been raised in the church that are going through what they call deconstruction. Yeah. You know, and they're just saying, okay, well, the, all those stories and all the things that I learned and all that, you know, the for God so loved the world kind of stuff. And it just doesn't, doesn't fit or apply to my life now as an adult. So they didn't, weren't able to kind of make the transition. Maybe the stories were never kind of developed for them mm -hmm. more nuance or allowing them to ask questions. They just kind of given to them at the same at two as they were at 16 or whatever. I'm not sure, but again, why do you think that's happening and, and how can we as, as a church community, a faith community, RPC or, you know, the wider church kind of help them grow into their understanding better? That's a great question. I, I think, and I, I do think, you know, growing up, it, especially my, even in my generation, you know, it was a lot of, we're going to church and this is what we're doing. And I will, I mean, I didn't get a lot of deep theological. I didn't get the Bible stories that we get now that we share and we, we got some of them. Some, um, so I, I think that that's really important. So I do think that we are where we can do something is starting with our children now with this generation that is, that I'm barely in by one year. Um, but I still, okay. I, but this is also, I think it maybe even some, even a few years older than that, yeah. um, because it, it's, what's really difficult is they're going through deconstruction. And I think my fear in that is when you're doing that and you're doing it in an isolated place, or we're not, I don't, 
And that's what's tough is because I think that those conversations can be really good. I don't know though. I don't know if too much damage has been done, not damage, but too much right. distance. has been. And you said this with the pandemic. I, I really think I mean the word distance, not damage, but right. there's been too much distance. And you know that the further you get away from something, the longer you don't think of it, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind, or you've deconstructed it and kind of moved on. What I found when I have had conversations with people though, and I have, in fact, in my particular women's Bible study, there have, um, there are a lot of members of the Bible study that have um, had some really interesting church experiences growing up um, that they're not uh, interested at all in having again, um, and have had to deconstruct, but then reconstruct. And we do a lot of that deconstructing, reconstructing in our Bible study. In fact, that some of the members have joined because they've heard that that's kind of what we're doing. And that's what we're talking through. And I found once, you know, when we're having these conversations, they're so, it's, they're, they're so fruitful, mm. but I don't think I have, um, and it doesn't mean that everybody's on the same page either. Right. And I, I also think that that's a huge thing that churches need to do is I think sometimes churches aren't looked at as safe spaces to ask questions or to have these you know what, if you come to my Bible study and you're not totally sold on, that's okay. You yeah. can still be there. We're still going to have these conversations together. Um, and I, so I think it's, it, I think one of the things we need to do is figure out how to create those spaces okay. and, and to talk through these things. Yeah. Why, how are we deconstructing these things? Why? I don't know. But again, with the distance, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I know. I'm, I know I'm continuing on on this too, but one of the things that, that I have found is that sometimes some of these, and this is not, this is not everybody. And I, I wouldn't even know what percentage this was, but we have a lot of, of parents that have kind of thought, well, I've gotten away from the faith, but I remember growing up in the church or, or this was, you know, I want my kids to have a church experience. And I do feel like sometimes with parents that have come back in, in that situation, there's ways to start having those conversations, right. but that's one group of people. I mean, that's not, yeah, not everybody by any means. Yep. So one last, maybe kind of deep question. So we, again, we look at this verse again, for God so loved the world, particularly John three sixteen, And yet we look, I mean, there's just been, there's just a lot of tumult in the world. I mean, obviously, you know, last week there's a pretty significant uh, Supreme Court kind of decision that some people are all kind of, you know, on one side or the other and, and have opinions about. There's all obviously been, uh, you know, high racial tension and some of the, you know, the, uh, the mass killings and shootings and all this kind of stuff. And while that's not directly responsible, the responsibility of the church, when you take a verse like that and say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, why does it not seem like anything's getting better? And that raises a lot of questions for people. So what do you think the church, capital C, like the worldwide church or the church, Roswell Presbyterian Church, could or should be doing to help communicate very clearly, succinctly that God does love the world and this is a demonstration of that? Oh, that's a big question. Well, I <laughs> 
So I don't think that there's one answer. I think that for me, one of these things that I see when I'm like, why are things not getting better right now? I've, I've mentioned this on this podcast before that, um, that Jason and I are, are reading the Bible chronologically right now. And we've spent a ton of time in the Old Testament. And it's, it is not, it's not like I haven't read this before, but it's not easy. And the world, I mean, I mean, the world's messed up now. The world was still real messed up then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe even more. Yeah. Like, so maybe we're getting better. Um, I don't know. Uh, some parts of the world, but it, it's humanity. We there is so much brokenness, and and that brokenness continues to perpetuate. And I think that that's what's really beautiful about this is that we see that God sees this and then says, well, I could just let it all just go this time that you have on earth, you know, it's, that's going to be it. And, but he sent Jesus. Yeah. He sent Jesus to be with us. And we've got the Holy spirit with us as we navigate through this really a hard, you know, world. And I think, um, there is, and, and gives us this, um, yeah, this advocate, but also this knowledge that um, we are loved. And then there is this, we, we know that that will be eternal, that this is, he came with this, this different, um, or this answer of life in Christ. Now, the churches, how does the church, Roswell, how does the church put this love out in the world? I think it is, you know, we believe that. And I said this yesterday. Um, I believe that faith or um, belief is faith in action. When you believe you then need to step out in faith and, and put it into action. And so, you know, I think we have to continue trying to share it out in the community. I don't think it's just in these walls that we're sharing that it's, it's all that we're doing. It is in our conversations with people, it is what our church in each church continues to try to um, put out there. It's and churches are are all different. Um, I think I think we are trying to figure out how we can show this love to our neighbors, not just share it with our voices, but but show this love in our actions. How are we caring for one another? How are we and one another in the church? one another in the community, even if they're not part of, of this church, that's we're we're called to follow Jesus all the time, everywhere. And so I think that the church's response is to try to take that out into the world, um, through, through our, certainly our words, but maybe more importantly, our actions. Yeah. And I think that that sometimes is hard. Well, it's all the time hard. Um, but I think that that also takes, you know, all of us being on board. It's also not, and when you say the church, I'm going to be really clear. I don't think when we're talking about the church universal, we are talking about everybody that follows Jesus. This is not just yeah. a pastor job. This is not just oh. Presbyterian doing this. Everybody's got to be doing this, um, you know, and put their oar in the water. You know what I mean? Like this is, yeah. and that I, I think sometimes people think, well, 
that's not my responsibility. Yeah. But it's a, it's a collective responsibility. And I, Absolutely. so I said that really would be my answer there is that we've all got to be in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by definition, you know, Christian is Christ-like. We are Christ followers or disciples. And it's not just, you know, you and me who are happen to be ordained. Nope. You know, before that, when you were the teacher and I was the teacher and whatever that we were, it was the same. It's not any different. And it's a, it's a journey. It's a process. And we're, we are trying to figure it out and be discerning yep. and open to those things. But yeah, it's, it's not easy. I, I often look at, I'm so thankful for this, this conversation that Nicodemus had. And mm-hmm. particularly because I look, you know, you, you look in the old Testament, go to the time of Noah, when God just says, they're just a mess. I am so fed up. I'm just wiping them all out. And to be honest, if I were God, I'd have done that multiple times. Like, okay, well, let me find one family to start over again. It's got to get better than this. But it just, it just doesn't, you know? But God made that promise there to Noah and then fulfilled that promise, you know, through Christ and just said, okay, in all this mess, I continue to love you. I continue to, you know, to bless you, whether you're a blessing to others or not. Like, you know, it says the rain falls on the, the fields of the righteous and the unrighteous. Like God continues to bless mm-hmm. just everyone just with yep. life and breath and much more patient than I ever would be. And so I'm thankful for this message of love and for, yeah, just the, the work that God continues to, to do in the world and yeah well there is good and we experience it and we do we can experience it there is all this bad stuff but in the same way we can in the same breath we can experience good and that last verse that was in this passage this week was you know that he didn't come to condemn he came to save and i think that that again it just tells us that that this is the nature of our god that instead of he's he's upholding his promise and instead of condemning his answer is is to come and save and and give love so yeah that's a i think that's a good place to finish i think so that's fantastic carrie i i, I really appreciated your sermon all three times yesterday <laughs> and i didn't say, hear the fourth one because i had to stay in, in the other service but i really did your the the thoughts that you put into it the time and, and effort that you put into it, the way that you helped us kind of think about things differently and this conversation i think is, has dug even a little bit deeper into your thinking and our understanding of this verse so i'm really appreciative of you taking the time and making the effort and and just you just communicate so well so it's, it's yeah i'm very very pleased to kind of be able to do this and and hear from you in this way so thank you so much now so next week Next week we have there's if you come to RPC there's only one service right and so it's it's July the third and so mm-hmm. do you, I can't remember and I probably should have looked this up beforehand but my morning was really crazy like what's the scripture passage for next week do you remember Yes it is Zacchaeus Oh yes and um, it is going to be a great Sunday there's um, there's there's going to be the Zacchaeus song Oh. So it'll be, uh, um, if you're familiar with that for the kids, um, and it really will be, it's going to be a super family friendly service. Um, really good. We just hope everybody's able to join us. And, um, and because Monday is, uh, a holiday, there isn't any closing the distance. Right. Which is kind of sad, you know, I know people are probably wanting to say, well, while we have our 4th of July picnic, we want to turn this on and listen to the closing the distance, but sorry, you're just going to have to have to wait till the following week. Yeah. 
hate that for you. Well, again, thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate this. Thank you all to all who are listening. Hopefully this was helpful. And, and again, go back and read the, the scripture, you know, pull out not just John 3.16, but go and start the conversation. And again, see the conversation that Nicodemus had and why Jesus came to, to make this statement that we've kind of pulled out. And, and let's all work as much as we can by the power of the Holy Spirit to help others understand how much God does love the world through our actions that are a result of our belief. Thank you so much, Carrie. All right. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. See ya. Bye.